0: Hello and welcome to The Stew with JT Brew. I'm your host, Justin Taylor, alongside Joe Goody, my guy from Dynasty Pros. Today we are going to discuss his article that he wrote, my first Scott Fishbowl. We're going to break into everything Scott Fishbowl, the experience, what the tournament's about, and then break down both of our teams from it. Stick with us. You're in the stew. <laughs> Uh, you up on
1: trades and why you move, You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of The leaderboard quite obviously not a scrub to so start an institute. Make evaluations like a commissioner do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. Update your roster and picking choose when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sit from sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones Through different groups, universities, institutes, down to homies who kick in groups. I introduce. You get the Stew
0: with JT Brew. Again, welcome everyone to the Stew with JT Brew. I'm JT. Jay Goody here. What we want to discuss today is everything Scott Fishbowl 13. I've been in it a couple times. My first year, SFB 9 was in last year, SFB 12, and now this year, SFB 13. But Jay Goody, you... And for the first time this year, you wrote an article for DynastyProsFootball.com. I suggest everybody go over there and read it, kind of just talking about his experience, everything getting into the tournament. But we want to kind of break it down for all those who are not in, you know, professionally in fantasy football that are wondering, hey, what is this Scott Fishbowl? What's the big deal? We're going to kind of talk about it from a first-timer, Jake, to get it in there. Kind of break it down for me like you did in the article of kind of just everything that this, uh, this tournament means.
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, first fishbowl this year, super, super excited about that. Um, You know, like many, the path to get to the fishbowl was do a couple mirror leagues, do a couple qualifiers. Um, Every time there was a, you know, we'll take the first 20 people. We'll do one of those little races and the person who went, I, I tried them all did not get into the actual fishbowl the last couple of years. Um, for those people that are kind of wondering like, well, what's the deal? Cause you know, although a lot of content creators, fantasy insider people know everything about the fishbowl um, you know, 13 years ago, uh, a guy named Scott fish thought we all love fantasy football so much. Why can't we tie something else into it um, and go that route? very smartly decided to ask everybody else in the industry that he knew to have a name and a presence on social media that he could pull into to get people interested. Um, after the first couple of years, he pulled enough of those big time names, um, you know, the Matt Berries of the world, just to kind of broaden that whole appeal to the point where I think it sort of became this rite of passage in late spring uh as people on twitter start to proclaim their acceptance into the scott fishbowl um and From that became this charitable organization called fantasycares.org. And what they do is they pretty much primarily donate this money to Toys for Tots. Um, There have been other uh, charities that have been connected to it, but that is definitely the primary one. Uh, And all this money raised, so all of us who play, we don't play for money. Uh, We do play for prestige. We do play for Twitter. Um, And that money goes to this charity, and they spend tens of thousands of dollars um, come, you know, Christmas time or holiday time. And they donate this money to people in need. Um, and as a community, uh, I am privileged to say that this is my first year that I got to, uh, make that official donation as a member of the SFB 13 community. Yeah. Just, uh, you know,
0: getting that first, when you get that email, you know, that's the crazy thing. I was like, you see Twitter flooded with everybody posting the email, Saying thank you. Um, It's just, it's an awesome feeling. I remember when I got in the first time, SFB nine, I won my way in through an FFC, uh, FC Eliminator League. Uh, I was able, basically, the way they did those leagues was best ball, and a team got eliminated every week. And if you were the last team standing at the end, you got in. I got in that way. I absolutely bombed. It was awesome to be in it. Just the the community, the people you meet. Um, I like to tell the story. When I got an SFB nine, I was in four fantasy leagues. That has catapulted to over 40 now. And a big reason for that is all the people I meet in Scott Fishbowl that, Oh, Hey man, you want to get in this? I've got a podcast, get in my league here. Hey, I do this. You know, I'd love to have you in it. And, charity tournaments like crazy. I, I mean, you were talking about a little bit, there's five or six extra ch- charity tournaments I've got in since being in Scott fishbowl. Um, they're just awesome causes and did and fun people. And the, and the more you do them, the more you get to meet new, cool, different people. Um, a new thing, they added something that you got to experience this year, which I got experience last year and this year was they added the live draft feature, which was something they never did before. It was always a slow draft, started in July, everybody get on. It usually was on uh, MyFantasyLeague.com forever. They just added in Sleeper last year. And so, you know, the experience for everybody doing that is a little bit different uh, with the slow draft. My SFB 9 was brutal, I have to be honest. We had one guy who just timed out every time, and he was right at the end of the round. So he, I think he was 111. And so he would time out after like 8, 12 hours. Then the next guy would make his two picks, and then he would time out again after 8, 12 hours. We are like, oh, man, so many people want to be in this thing. How are you timing out? And he was just like, oh, I'm busy. I'm working on a film set, doing stuff. I'm like, man, set a cue. Set a cue just do something. So that was brutal. I remember because we were one of the longest drafts in the history of Scott Fishbowl to finish our draft. It took us almost an entire month. To finish our draft, it was crazy. Uh, so that was a little rough. I did terrible. I drafted Le'Veon Bell from the Jets when he just when he got back to the Jets, and then I and I missed all the runs. I was the last pick. I missed all the runs on QB. I ended up with Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers. I thought the old school vets would would carry me. They both got hurt, season ending injuries. Uh, my team was terrible. I think I won one game. My first Scott Fishbowl. I was like, I've never played this bad in a facing league ever. I was like, I blew my chance. I'll never get back in again. I embarrassed myself, uh, but won my way back in in SFB 12 again through a mirror league, uh, pretty pumped. And I did the Chicago live draft last year, got to do it this year. You did the Philly live draft mm, yeah. different about doing the live draft. It's they only usually do the first 10 rounds and then you the last 22 last 12 rounds online later. But, uh, I just, man, the excitement and just being around everybody, the live draft is just the best.
1: Uh, I mean, first of all, I could feel for you when you talk about the length of time, because um, even in our live draft, you just hit it, how the expectations they get to 10. I think we got to eight. Um, we couldn't even get to 10. Um, and unfortunately, the way the event was held, uh, we had a time cap. Um, that we had to vacate our area by like, I think it was like 3 p.m. So at 2.45, they were like, hey, we got to take these down. No more drafting. It's just going to convert to the uh, slow draft. Um, You know, so for people that aren't aware, um, the slow draft, uh, you know, there is a window of time. Each person gets to make a pick. Uh, Generally, it's eight hours. Um, And the live draft, like you're all sitting there in front of the board. Um, I personally, I mean, I had a home league that would do a live draft. Um, and that feeling of sniping somebody and being able to look them in the eye when you could see the crushed expression when they were like, oh, that was the guy, and you're just like, you look at them, and you're just like, "Mm mm-hmm. But you also have the agony when you take that guy, and everyone's like, who? Or really, that early? And you're just like, oh. But that live draft gives you that experience that you do not get when you don't get to see people, um, when you just do a draft on sleeper, which, you know, like so many people, I will say that, um, you know, the difference this year, I'm still MFL on my fantasy league for this draft. Um, So just to give you a a range of draft um, we had one manager who completed the entire draft, uh, 14 minutes, total time of drafting and we have one person who was in two days worth of time. Um, So it took them like their average was like two hours per pick. Um, I did pretty well. I mean, I I was spoiled. I was the 12 pick. So I got to kind of like bang, bang. And then I didn't have to worry about it for a while. Um, But that was on purpose um, because Like everybody else, you know, even though we create content for fantasy, we all have other jobs. Um, And, you know, during the middle of the day, things get in the way, your other job or family or whatever, and you just can't get on your phone. So I sort of knew that going in. That was also part of my strategy to take the 12 spot. Um, But being in Philly was amazing. Um, We were situated at Xfinity Live. And for those people who are not familiar, um, you look out one Way you got to see Lincoln Financial Field. You look out the other way, you get to see Citizens Bank Park. And then, if you look out diagonally, because the building is kind of situated there, uh, is well, Wells Fargo, which is where the 76ers and the Flyers compete, as well as Villanova and Temple and all them too. Um, so, Xfinity Live is literally right in the middle of, the, of South, Jer- uh, South Philly, but like in the middle of Sports Central. Um, So for every Philadelphia fan, everybody knows exactly where that is. And it was great to get amongst them. We had four leagues there. So we had 48 managers drafting. Uh, Absolutely exciting. And the best part is, um, you know, with the auctions that we had there and all other donations, I believe Philadelphia was able to donate an additional $2,000, uh, to the fantasy cares org, um, on top of everything else we did. So, you know, that was a super exciting announcement to hear and hopefully it only gets bigger and better and you know, we can make more donations.
0: Yeah. I have to give a shout out to Steven Johnson who did our, he kind of, handled everything, got everything together for the Chicago live draft. He did a phenomenal job of setting everything up, making sure everybody kind of was moving, getting everybody in their area to draft together. Uh, You know, last year we did the board. We did the sticker board, same thing this year, but we actually had the draft going live on sleeper as we were doing and having everybody enter their own picks and it was so much better. I had to set up a mock to do it last year to make sure I wasn't picking someone that was already taken, but it was it, it was smooth this year. Uh they added the auction stuff. I actually uh ended up winning some tickets to the White Sox Tigers game coming up. Uh so that was awesome and I think I think he announced we were over $3,000 uh raised at the Chicago auction. He Steven did an awesome job. He made Chicago live draft shirts for us if you wanted to buy them in advance and stickers and all kinds of awesome Bears signed memorabilia and stuff. It was it was it was sweet. There was a a Scott Fishbowl ring. That was made. That was an awesome item. I wanted to win it so bad. Uh, I I did not. We had a bunch, we had like three people win two or three times in the old raffle. So they were lucky. I was not as lucky, Um, but it was just an awesome event so cool to see those people in person that you've like met online or that you're in leagues with, but you've never like actually seen in person to talk to. Uh, so that was cool for me. It was awesome because I met a ton of those people last year at the Chicago live. And I actually joined a couple extra leagues because of it. I actually got into the fantasy space because of the live draft last year. I met my guy, John McGlynn, who does the commissioner evaluation podcast on P2W. Uh He, we became friends, I jumped on a couple of pods just to help him out. And he's like, Hey man, you want to start co-hosting me this with me. And so I, he got me in this space, kind of, kind of doing all this stuff. And then, uh, helped me meet Bob who at dynasty pros runs Dynasty pros and helped me get the stew with JT brew going. So it's just full circle for me, you know, doing all this stuff and gotten getting to meet these people and then just kind of expanded from there being in their leagues and, and the John McGlynn home leagues. And there's like six or seven other guys that were there that I was like, Oh, I drafted you were the guy in front of me last year. Then this year I was one behind him. So, you know, we were talking about sniping each other. So it was just a great time. Like you said, I can't, the feeling of the live draft is just the best for me. You know, it also, it's like, you don't have that time to process all the different changes or pivots. You got to make a. you got to make a decision pretty quickly if somebody takes your guy or you got to change strategies pretty quick. If people start falling off the board, um, So I I like that aspect of the live draft that you can't ask 57 people on Twitter who you should take next or whatever. Uh, I I just love that kind of aspect because you get to the end, you're like, that's not what I meant to do. Or, you know, you're like, oh, that worked out better than I thought it was going to be. So uh, just having that as a different aspect. And I was lucky. Our team, we flew. My draft was ready. I mean, my people were ready to roll. We were right through. We actually were supposed to only do 10 rounds. We voted to keep going because we were smoking through it. We actually got 15 rounds done in Chicago before they're like, yeah, you should probably just stop now. So we did. I mean, we couldn't even go any further. I've got one pick left in my draft, but we smoked and we didn't have our draft till this past Sunday. So we're now on Wednesday and we're one round away from being finished. So. We yeah, had no that's, problems. Yeah, our, we no were problems. a little
1: slower. We were only eight rounds. Um, and but that's okay though. You know, because like I said, the community part of it is, you know, everybody's there to, you know, kind of forge connections. I mean, on Twitter, I'm part of three different communities just because of Fishbowl. Uh, one of them being our own division has a group. Then there was the the live draft, so it was like all 48 were in there. Uh, then there was a different one for the people who just had picked twelve, um, you know, and, and being able to, you know, reach out and forge these relationships. Hopefully, if I'm lucky enough, I can be part of SB, SFB fourteen next year, and hopefully, live draft again in Philly and get to see these people again, and maybe be in a slightly different division with some different people, but at the same time, still forging relationships, uh, appreciating people. I know for us. I have a feeling like, like, as you said, like that live draft brings us juice to when you're on the clock type thing. I have a feeling a few of the people in our draft were using some of the same spreadsheets because all they kept saying was you kept grabbing the guy right before me. uh, And they actually started joking about that. Like, I wonder if we're actually using the same spreadsheets to like, Because there's like, at this point, there's so much data. There's so much Uh information. Uh, So many websites are putting out their own little, um, you know, cheat sheets and everything else and ADPs and people are using things. Um, And I just thought it was hilarious because they kept repeating it over and over again. Like, are you reading my mind? That's exactly that. And I'm like, all, all I could think about was they have to be using very, very similar sheets. And it's like this one name that's like been skipped over four or five times in the highlights of being drafted. Well, that person's going to stick out. You sort of go, oh, maybe I could, you know, sneakily get like a, an A.J. Brown in the third round. And you're just like, oh, keep going. One more pick, one more pick. And, of course, somebody else with your exact same list is like, oh, I got him as a second round value. And then just snipes them, and you're just like crushed. And nothing beats that when you're in front of all those other people alive. So, um, you know, it's 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 an awesome experience being able to have that. I personally don't think I sniped anybody. But as you know, when you're the 12th pick, you're either at the end or you're at the beginning of a run. Um, and I am always an advocate for starting the run, never finishing it. So, yeah, I always want to be at the
0: start of that run. That is absolutely for sure. Yeah, I got sniped quite a bit. I, there was a few times I just, I had one guy right in front of me just. Every time, grab the guy I wanted, so that was always uh,
1: well, who uh, was no, who but... were you heartbroken over? Who was one of the guys that you were just like so dead on and then just went and you were just like crushed? Well, the my
0: very first one was I, I had my eyes set on Tua in the third round, I was the one eight, so yeah. I'll tell you, I'll give you a little background on my strategy on the one eight. So, in the past, I just got thrown a position and you were that position, and that's just what you drafted. Well, this year. Depending on when you got an invite, you got to jump in, pick your division, and then pick your draft spot, which I was like, oh, I'm not totally ready for that. Last year, I got in late. I was one of the last people that that got the invite. So when I got into the live event, it was like I had like two or three spots to pick from. I ended up taking the one four last year. Now, the third round reversal was brutal. And so anybody doesn't know what that is, you go through snake style, 12 picks, then back 12 picks. And at the end of the second, instead of you getting your pick again, it switches sides and comes back. So sitting at the end of that end of the third round reversal was brutal last year. and I said, I'm not going to do that this year. So I wanted to be 12 like you. I kind of thought I wanted to be 12. And then I started looking at it and I signed up or picked my spot before they came out with the scoring. So I was just like, you know what? I want top eight spot so I can get a QB. So that was my original game plan was I was like, I could get a QB in the top eight and I could still be, you know, kind of where that reversal is. So that's why I went with the one eight. So I kind of had, I did a ton of mock drafts. I uh, want to, you know, thank all the guys that let us do the mock drafts. There was a ton of websites, ton of discords that set all that up, took a ton of time and effort, but uh, it was just awesome to see kind of the different strategies. You could try stuff. I wanted to get to uh in that third round, He actually went to pick before me in the second round. So I was like, okay, I got time to adjust because that's obviously out the window. So third round came around. I had to make a tough decision. I ended up going Najee Harris. I wasn't sure about it, but I went that way. The one that got me was I ended up fourth round. I wanted Kirk Cousins because I I went RB, RB, RB. So I had no QB and I was kind of waiting Kirk Cousins was my guy. He went to pick before me. So I ended up getting golf the next round. And then I wasn't pumped about that pick. But at that point, I was like, I better get a QBR. I'm in trouble at this point. And then later, I really wanted to stack Jamison Williams and Laporta with golf. And I got taken both the same round as I was coming through. Both of them got taken right in front of me. Again, LaPorta, one spot in front of me again. Those two got me because I was like, oh, that was my spot. The other guy had the biggest disappointment for me. The guy I really had my eye on, I wanted Pat Fryermuth from the Steelers. He was really, I was like, I was doing all kinds of mocks. He was going like seventh, eighth. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go up a little bit. I'll I'll get him in the sixth because I'll overdraft him a little. I don't mind. Man, didn't even make it back to me. I took golf in the fifth and he went the end of the fifth round and I was crushed. I was like, oh, so threw up my whole tight end strategy. And then when I did get Laporta, I just, dip. next time I know I'm in the 12th round, and I don't have a tight end. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is, that's not what I wanted to do. I was not. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because the mocking, like to me, like I, you know, there's positives and negatives to mocks, right? The positive being, prepares you for a lot of variations and gives you like the exposure to names that you're going to see at each pick. And hopefully that exposure will give you some sort of, you know, this is my roster build. These are the guys now I know. And for me that definitely helped on me punting quarterback until rounds four or five on the turn um, That was my strategy going in. I made a conscious decision that I was going to grab, you know, elite Wide receiver running back, most likely at 112 and 2 1, and then decide at the 3 1 with that third round reversal, like how I wanted to call. Now, I had one contingency, which was if Mark Andrews had gotten to me at the 112 2 1 turn, he was going to be one of my picks. Um, And after that, I knew I was punting tight end as well because the value just was never going to be there for me. So the mocks helped me kind of formulate that strategy like, okay, if I miss on those initial tight ends, who do I want to grab? If I miss on, like I'm going to punt quarterback, who are the quarterbacks most likely going to be there who I feel really comfortable with? And that all worked right to it because I know right after the third pick, my, my third round pick, one of my table mates looked at me and just was like, ah, oh, I'm not going quarterback yet. Let's see if this works out. And, and in my head I'm thinking, I know it is. I got two-thirds of the league, already have two quarterbacks. So I'm not worried about that. You're not taking your third quarterback. I'm like, so I really only have a couple of teams that are of concern where I can control my own fate. Now, I don't want to go into any season with like a Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill smoothie because that's just not going to work in a super flex. So I knew that. So I knew that that 4-5 was going to be my spot, and it was perfect. Now, where it did not help me, so the, the mocking was, was great until I got to the next round, which was 6-7. That's when I was kind of like, I want to hammer wide receiver. Do I want to stack Geno and Russ Wilson with Tyler Lockett and Jerry Judy, or do I go in different direction? Now I went back and forth, back and forth. And this is where my mocking did not help me because some of my mocking had Tyler going way later and some of it had Judy already gone. So like the fact that I had that option, I was like a little bit thrown for a curveball because I wasn't ready for it. Um, So I kind of thought about it. My problem was there were two other wide receivers. I just liked way better than both of them. Forgetting about stack, Mm -hmm. I wanted elite. Unquestioned number one wide receivers on their team and happened to be DJ Moore and Drake London. So I ended up going with those two guys, hoping that Tyler Lockett would still fall to me because mocking wise, it was there. They didn't work out. Little upset about that. But the other player I was kind of tantalized with in that little DJ Moore, Drake London was Terry McLaurin. Now, at the time, I was like, You know, those other two guys I really liked a lot, but I also like Scary Terry. I'm an Eagles fan. I've seen the dude play. He's a baller. I I think that offense is going to get a little better. bien is going to bring some stuff to that offense, going to give it some juice. I love what everybody's talking about with Hal. So after I get my receivers, it wraps back around, and that's when I look and go, okay, Lockett's gone. I'm getting worried about quarterbacks because the the third quarterback of a super flex, they're starting to go. And now I'm like, Hmm, Sam Howell is right there for me. And now I'm almost like, ah, if I had McLaurin already, I would have already had that built in stack and then I could have taken Hal and then another receiver at this pick. So for me, the mocking got me ready, but then like a little twist. Now, I still salvaged it because even though Scary Terry wasn't there, Mr. Dotson was. So I was able to stack Sam Howe with with Dotson, who was just a, t- a touchdown vulture last year. And I feel like he is going to come into his own this year. Hopefully he stays healthy. He doesn't have any, like, things. And I, I'm really, I'm, I'm, like, encouraged by Sam Howe. Like, some teams are usually, like, really, like, like, you can almost, like, see through the veil of secrecy, like, like last year with Mariota and Desmond Ritter, Elena was like, Oh, we're really kind of encouraged by this, but like everybody could see through it going. No, they're not. Um, but then going into this year, I feel like Washington's like really like now Sam Howell's our guy. Like, I don't think everybody, like we let Taylor Heineke go. Like, let we, like And everybody was surprised with that. Like, It's either they're all in on Caleb Williams and they're just like, this is how bad we want to be. Or they really are looking at Sam Howe going, he is going to be another like sneaky late kind of quarterback like Kirk Cousins. Like he's just going to be one of those guys that's going to be, which by the way was drafted by the Redskins. So it's kind of, there's that little tie in, but he could end up being one of those guys. It's just like, you know what? He's not going to be flashy like Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be Pat Mahomes. He's not going to be like all the spit and vinegar of Aaron Rodgers. But can he be enough to get the job done? And I was kind of really interested with him, so I stacked him in Dotson, and you know, then I started to see my build, and everyone's like, "Oh, now you got three quarterbacks already." I'm like, "Yeah, I got three quarterbacks. This is super flex." Like, when did you grab your third quarterback for your team? Uh, I am 100%
0: a hundred percent on in Sam Howell with you. I I Sam Howell is my QB three. I saw him go as late as like round 13, 14 in mox, And I was like, there's no way. I'm not going to take a chance. I'm missing him. I jumped on him in the 10th round. Uh, I, that was the thing. I got sniped with Laporta. I wanted Laporta to go with my golf. And I was going to take Howell on the way back. And I just, that was the sign to me. When I got sniped on Laporta, I was like, I better take Sam Howell right now. Like right this second. So I took him in the 10th. The biggest thing that hurt me I had the same idea as you. I wanted to stack him and Terry McLaren bad. So I had McLaren scheduled like he was my sixth rounder. That's why I wanted. Because I, I was thinking the same thing as you. I was going to go QB fourth and fifth. I had Cousins and Goff in mind. Cousins with the pick before me. I didn't want to jump and just take Goff because he was the next QB. So I skipped it. I took Jalen Waddle instead when Cousins went. I came back, took Golf, and then the next round I was going to take McLaren. He got sniped. I got sniped the pick in front of me. Uh, Andy Barron's dude. A lot of people know him in the Twitter world. I mean, he's out there. He does a ton of stuff. Guy's an awesome dude. He was sitting at my table. He was sniping me all day. I was just looking at him, and he's like, "I got you again." I was like, "I, I was like, that's like the fourth or fifth one." He was he was literally getting me all day. The guy I was taking this pick in front of me, so. At least, you know, at that point, it's upsetting. But then also, you go, well, at least I'm not the only one thinking this. You know, at least, at least there's the validation ballpark. to yeah. that. You know, at least I'm in the ballpark, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that that's that's always the key. And you know, you and I were talking about you can either be in front of a, a run or behind it. And at being at twelve, um, you know, one of the major differences for the fishbowl um, between sleeper and my fantasy league. You guys are required to draft a kicker, but you can only use that kicker. My fantasy league, we do not have to draft a kicker or we can start as many as four. Yeah. And that's a massive difference. Now, for those people who don't understand, Scott Fishbowl is set up where the scoring is like nothing that you've ever seen. There is such an emphasis on certain things in there. That there are positions, tight end specifically, who are heightened in this. That's why Travis Kelsey's going one zero one in Scott Fishbowl. And even though he's a worthy first round pick, he's never going to be a one one in most leagues. But in this league, because of the value that they had for tight end premium. He was an unquestioned 1-1, one, one, really. I mean, listen, we were Philly. We're homers. Jalen Hurts was the first pick in every single draft us. But a lot of other yeah. drafts, Travis Kelsey was straight up the guy. Um, and, and that was totally understandable. And, you know, that was one of the players. I mean, I was hoping to get Goddard, um, you know, being a Philly guy. But it, I also looked at it too, like – he's the third option as a receiver on the Eagles, right? He's good, but I kept trying to like say to myself, like I'm not going to reach for a tight end just to have a tight end only to then look back and go, Oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I grabbed Logan Thomas or, you know, like, or, Oh, I grabbed Gerald Everett or, Oh, but those guys are, they're going to be serviceable tight ends in most leagues. Cause you have to start a tight end. But there's no upside to them. They're the third, fourth receivers on their teams that are going to be utilized. And for me, I just kept punting tight end. Now, obviously, my punt tight end looks a little bit worse now than it did about a week ago. I took my good buddy, Akankwu from Tennessee. Chig was one of my favorite sleeper tight ends, kind of like a punt tight end. Wait, wait, wait. He'll be there later, be there later. Obviously, the signing of DeAndre Hopkins. I actually think the Hopkins hurts, burps more than it hurts chig but you know it it remains to be seen the titans are not a prolific passing offense so at the end of the day it's sort of like we're gonna have to see how this all works out so for tight end i just went for a bunch of upside guys uh my other guy was trey mcbride um you know i'm not seeing a lot of information about Zach Ertz's injury um he was injured you know, fairly early last season. Um, he really hasn't resurfaced yet, and they're not a lot, there's just nothing coming out. No one's saying what's going on other than when they're ready to play, they'll play. Um, so I got a feeling Trey McBride might give me a good couple of weeks of play before I have to worry about it. So my strategy was to hammer kicker because in this setting, an extra point is worth 3.3. And then every field goal was 0.1 of the yardage. So a 50-yard field goal is worth five points. So you could have a kicker get like one 50-yard field goal and two extra points and be double-digit scoring every week. And that is like like a mediocre baseline for like your elite kickers. A guy like Justin Tucker could easily average 18 to 20 points a game if things fall the way they can for him and all of a sudden he's no longer like kicker one he's like overall number 48 um and which could very well happen so being in my fantasy league um i hammered kicker i got tyler tyler bass jake elliott and evan mcpherson so i hammered kicker got three what i believe to be elite kickers um you know the only other one i didn't get was justin tucker um but i felt like there was a chasm between some of the uh, kickers that had upside, but I wasn't looking for upside kickers. I was looking for kickers who were like, I know for a fact their offenses are good. They're going to get plenty of opportunities. And even if it's only extra points, give me four extra points. I'm still 13 points per game. And that's going to be better than drafting uh, another wide receiver later, um, you know, and you know, I was really happy with my team. You you, you popped up this the screen there. Yeah, that's what I was
0: gonna say. I want to pop it up here. Let's uh go through. We uh, I want to shout out Spike Week for doing this. This is an awesome thing they do. You basically can go to their website, type in SFB, basically go down, find your team, find ADP, can figure out where your guy, when you draft a guy, were you the highest on them? Were you the lowest on them? I mean, the amount of data is unbelievable. But this little uh little markup they do with the is Awesome. Everybody loves it. You can copy, it, you can paste it easily on Twitter, on anything else. Uh, it's always great to save so you can see where you're at, at the end of the year. But yeah, jump on here. This is you, SFB13, John's roast pork. This is your division. Let's kind of walk through, like I said, you've been kind of uh, telling us your strategy here. Um, you at the end here, I was all over Christian McCaffrey at 1-8. That's where I decided I was in the 1-8 chat. And we were discussing, discussing, do you go Trevor Lawrence? If Fields goes to you, do you take Justin Fields? Do you go Christian McCaffrey? Now, again, we talked about a little bit. The scoring changes every year for Scott Fishbowl. It's always different, which I love, because then you can never just go, well, this is what I did last year, and this is what won last year, so let's just do that. He always throws off a wrench in it, makes it different, which I love, because then you can't just come in and go, hey, I'm looking at my sheet. Everybody has the same one. We're all going to draft the same, which is totally different. I mean, you look at, you look at one draft to the next. I mean, it's four or five rounds for certain players. Some guys are in totally different rounds. Some guys, I mean, the values on some people are crazy. It's it's so different. The strategy is so different. Even though you have three thousand some players, the strategies are all over the place.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think when when I went into it, my overall strategy was trying to be number one. I was in a hammer kicker. And, and I did. Um, number two, it was balance through like the first like 10, 15 rounds, um, you know, and feel the group out for kicker. When I took kicker, I was in the chat and I literally just was like, I know you guys are all going to be really upset that I did this. But again, I got to either be at the beginning or the end of this. I cannot, I cannot risk losing anybody else. I took the two kickers. Everybody was like, you know, laughing emojis and everything else. And then by the middle of that round, which would be round like 13-4, 13-5, another kicker goes off the board. And then 13-6, another kicker goes off the board. And then all of a sudden, by the time it wrapped back around to me again, another five kickers had been taken. I was like, I read the room. Um, yeah. I knew that at some point we all knew the settings. Um, and then I don't know why like Jake Elliott was still there. I My plan wasn't to get three – Kickers in a row, but having seen what other people were doing, I was like, I either grab them now, or I'm just gonna take another kicker late. That I feel like, you know, if that offense clicks the way it might, it could be a pretty successful player. But when he got to me, it was like, I want to hammer it. Um, and you know, when we talked about the tight ends, um, you know, I got Chig, I got Trey McBride, um, I got Shoemaker. I was really hoping for Ferguson to fall to me. Um, again, the mocking kept saying he was going to be there for me. Um, but when push came to shove, he actually went a little bit earlier in our draft than his ADP. I think everybody at that point was looking for those like values at tight end because tight end yeah. is such a valued position. Um, so I ended up going with like three tight ends, I feel like could have really good ceilings if they get enough playing time and, and things. But the floor is also kind of low too, um, and I know that going in. I'm not going to be perfect in every position. Uh, that's you know I learned that last year. Um, you know we talked about those other charitable or things I participated in Warrior Bowl last year. Um, surprised myself. I finished the regular season as the number two overall team in Warrior Bowl.
0: Nice. And I was at a
1: 488 teams, and the one of the things I kind of extrapolated from that experience was just. You know, at the end of your draft, don't take guys that like, don't take a Devontae Parker, right? I, I like he's fine, but he is never going to be a guy that's going to put up a week where you're like, bang, like, mm-hmm. you know, like look for guys who like Tank Dell was one of my rookies that I was like you know if things fall in Houston he's he could be a guy he was awesome in college he was an absolute magnet for the ball his MO is he will find an opening and he will make defenses pay if he's given that opportunity in Houston he could definitely be there cuz Houston if you look at their receivers there really is no standout guy that's going to be like I'm the unquestioned number 1 so he could turn into that um Mac Hollins Seems like like one like, like you're like looking at it like Goody, you just said don't take garbage wide receivers. Why would you take Matt Collins? So here's here's where my thinking is: a lot of people love to handcuff a running back. I put a lot of draft stock into Drake London. If the wide receiver, say if Drake goes down early, could Matt Collins turn into a pretty significant receiver for Atlanta? And the answer to that, again. In this draft with a lot of sharp people and the pickings at the end of the draft are not as robust. um, I looked at him as like a safety valve for me. Um, And, you know, when you look at the running backs like Christian McCaffrey, there is no backup for Christian McCaffrey in the 49ers. If he's not there, there's no one else performing like him. Josh Jacobs would have loved to have grabbed Zamir White. Um, He was another one of those guys that when I really started thinking about, like, hey, where's Zamir at? He was gone. Um, And that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. Um, And, you know, but like looking at my team, the balance is there. I have really good distribution of bye weeks, which is not something that I focus on. But at the end of the draft, I start to look at and just make sure I have enough balance. I have one person. I don't ever like to throw people under the bus. Both his quarterbacks have the same bye week and he only drafted two quarterbacks. And I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know if that person just said to themselves, hey, their buys aren't until week 12 or week 13. I'm just going to ride them out that I don't have to worry about quarterback the entire season and then pick up somebody mid-season just to – I don't know what the, the the theory is. But when I saw that, I was just like, I could never do that. Quarterback is too valuable. They're going to score the most – like the most valued points in a fishbowl. So I was like, nah, I'm going to pass on that. And everything kind of lined up for that. So – Uh, What about you? What are one of your, like, after the 18th round kind of guys that you're kind of a little excited about? I I liked your Zay Jones pick at 16. I still,
0: you know, people are out on him because of Calvin Ridley, Ingram, Kirk. I know he's like the fourth option there. But, man, he had some big games last week. And I tell you what, I didn't move on last year because I sat Zay, Zay Jones. And I think it was week 14 or 15, and he had a monster week. And if I would have played him, I would have moved on. I finished just outside of the top 500, and I think I missed by less than two points, and Zay Jones had like a 25-point game, and I missed by like two points to move on to the top 500 last year. So uh, I, I, if some injury happens, something goes down, Zay Jones is going to be valuable. So I like I like where your he head's at there. Trey McBride is a guy I wanted in that range. Went before I could get him, but he's another guy. I think he has super high upside uh, as there's not a lot of wide receivers or at least anybody's going to demand a ton of target share outside of maybe Hollywood, and we don't know who's starting at QB, so I like McBride a lot. This is funny. I'm in the last round of my draft right now. I haven't quite finished yet. Dell and Hollins are in my queue. They're in my queue, and I'm trying to sign it if I'm going to – Try to decide. if I'm taking either one of them, or I'll tell you, somebody's probably going to snipe me because they're going to see this. But I'm trying to decide, do I take Dell, Hollins, or my boy Clayton Toon? I think he might get a bunch of starts for Arizona. He's still out there as well. So I've got about... Eight picks back to me because I'm the I'm the eighth pick, and we just started the last round. But those are my three guys at the top. Of my queue right now are Toon Dell and and Hollins. I like where your heads at on those. I think Hollins could end up being the number two there. um If anything happens to London or Pitts, he's going to get a ton of volume. And then again, I tell people I've been taking dart throws at any of the Houston guys lately. If it's Dell, if it's Xavier Hutchinson. If it's Mechie, like somebody's gonna end up being the number one guy. Now, I really wanted Dalton Schultz in this draft. Those are the two tight ends I was really eyeing. I wanted if I had it perfect, I wanted Muth, I wanted Schultz, and then I wanted McBride. And I missed on all of them. And and so I and so those that one hurt, but I loved your Howell pick at eight with Dotson. I tried to do in the sixth, like I said, McLaren, I got sniped. Ended up getting sniped on Laporta in the in the uh, ninth or uh, tenth round. And so I ended up getting Howell a couple rounds later than you, and I actually was pumped when I got him where I did, and I was like, I can't wait any longer. Um, so I had to get him. I wanted Dotson, but Dotson was already gone too. So what I did on my stack for Howell is I took both uh, tight ends for Washington. I, I took Logan Thomas. If he's healthy, I think he's going to get some shared tight end. I mean, the enemy's not going to ignore the tight end out of nowhere, coming from Kansas City. And then uh, Cole Turner. I mean, the guy was a beast at Nevada. I think they can work him in after being injured most last year. If either one of those guys is hurt, the other guy is going to be huge. So that's something i like, I love your strategy with the three uh, kickers. I looked at a bunch of stuff before and everyone said, if you're in sleeper, do not take a pick kicker till like the very end because it's not going to help you as much as it is going to be an MLF. So our Yeah. So I just, I was like, I'm going to wait on kicker because that reason. Now I will tell anyone that is going to play in a mirror league or a, a FC eliminator league. If you're on sleeper, and you have to play a kicker. Take two kickers. Because it's going to be best ball. Take at least two kickers. I burned myself in one last year where I only took Chris Boswell. He ended up getting hurt, and I scored a zero for like six straight weeks in my kicker spot. I luckily won the league still and still got my way into Scott Fishbowl this year. But you can you imagine how upset I would have been if that was the reason I didn't get in? the scott fishbowl 13 was because i didn't take a second kicker in a best ball league yeah i mean
1: six straight weeks at a zero for a position yeah that would have been traumatizing if and especially if it came down like that like that last week of like you're only up eight and he's got one person left and it just kills you because you're just like i took a zero you know and it's not even like your fault like it's 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 not like something where like you know you just didn't draft well like like it's kicker like most people don't take the, the thing and I I love your advice like get a second kicker so that way you always have it and of course double check by week cuz you don't want to mess that up but Absolutely. Yeah, so
0: again and for for people that don't know it's best ball so it's taking your best guy but you have to fill a certain amount of positions but also in those leagues there is no pickups. So it's, you're stuck with your team. And I, that was one of the things I tell everybody. I'm like, make sure you've got a couple tight ends, whatever position there is. If there's a defense, make sure you got a couple, two, three defenses because you cannot score zeros on those weeks. They just kill you, especially if it's in the eliminator league where it knocks out the lowest score every week. You just can't have. You can't be at the bottom. So you got to just hold yourself. So that's something to think about. A little bit different once you get into Scott Fishbowl. Scott Fishbowl actually has to set a lineup. You actually can pick up guys off waiver wires. Which, if you've seen the winners the last couple of years, you look at some of their drafts. You're like, how did this guy win? But they just crushed the waiver wire. They got all the big picks, and it just it worked out for them.
1: So you always and then gotta you, you the got to hit on somebody. Yeah. You know, like I took me, we talked about how I did really, really well in Warrior Bowl. You know who my star of that team was? Jamal Williams. Nice. Nice. It, it was like, I mean, he, like, you look at my thing, like, he could be like my Zay Jones. Like, who knows? It's going to be somebody later in your draft that ends up having situation, opportunity, and then all of a sudden things are going to click and they're going to be like, wow, I literally drafted my RB1 in the 18th round. Uh, you know, or wherever it ends up being. Um, and that that was it for me that like I, I hit on Jamal Williams. And, you know, that team, it, it was solid. Yeah. Every week I was like averaging like 210, 220 points a week. Like it was a really, really solid team. But Jamal Williams was my guy every week. And um, it looks like you just popped up yours. And it looks like you hammered like running back pretty hard. Why don't you talk about running back a little bit? Yes, yeah, so
0: Jamal Williams is how I got back into Scott Fishbowl. I had him in the best ball, and he just crushed for me because I took him as a handcuff for DeAndre Swift, and he he was just awesome for me all year. Uh, I got in also, I will say, tell the people this. I got in. Make sure you check the scoring. I got in on SFB 9. I won my eliminator, and I had a bunch of tight ends. And it was a pretty big tight end premium that year. And I think I only had legit three starting wide receivers. I took like three studs and then I loaded up on tight ends defense. And then I threw any running back I could in there and just make sure I got points. And somehow, you know, I was the highest scoring team every week, but you just got to hold on to the end. And so in those eliminator leagues, so that's how I did. So, yeah, I came in, uh, my my idea, the one eight chat, we were talking bully running back for weeks. Everybody's like, do we just at the one eight? Do we bully running back or do you do QB QB? So I decided if I was going QB QB, I would probably have to end up getting Trevor Lawrence, and then probably Deshaun Watson or maybe Dak Prescott. I wasn't super pumped about that start, to be honest with you. Love T Law. I got him in a million dynasty leagues, but I wasn't pumped about that being my start. Now, Joseph Fields ended up falling to me at this spot, but I was not prepared for it. I was like, I'm in a Chicago league. There ain't no way he's getting to 1-8. Someone's going to take him before that. So I had already kind of made up my mind that if Christian McCaffrey got there, I was going Christian McCaffrey. So I went Christian McCaffrey. It came back. People can say what they want. I'm back on JT. I took JT 1 4 last year and then Stafford in the second round, and they buried me because they were both hurt all year. Uh, luckily, I actually took Fields and Trevor Lawrence late last year. I got them like in the mid round, so they saved me at the end of the year. But I was, I think JT at 2 5, I just like it. I just think he's going to have a bounce back year. So, And he's my guy. I'm like, I'm taking him. CMC, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, my three favorite players. I was like, I'm taking him. I don't care. So 3-5, like I said, that's where I wanted Tua. And he was getting to me about half the time in Mox drafts. He was getting to that 3-5 spot. He, Tua, went 2-4 in this league. And so I was like, okay, Tua's out the door for me. I don't know if there's anybody I love in the third round. It's a QB. At that point, I was like, maybe Kirk Cousins. And I was like, man, I already kind of convinced myself I was going to go running back, running back, running back if 2 wasn't there. So I was like, I'm going to wait on Cousins till the fourth. I, like you, you took Josh Jacobs, 3-1. That was my initial pick. In most of my mocks, I took Josh Jacobs. I took Derek Henry if he got to me. He went 3-1 in mine. Jacobs was my backup after Henry. And then I got nervous about the holdout. I got nervous about possible holdout, and I just thought about it, and I really think the Raiders are going to be bad this year. And so I just flipped the script, and I said, I'm going to take Najee Harris. Sometimes he got there in the fourth round in some leagues. I saw him get to the fourth, but I was like, like, this is probably too early for him, which I looked up the ADP data on spike week. 3-1 was the highest he went. I was the third highest at 3-5 out of everyone. So I was pretty, I took him pretty about a round early, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go Najee. I'm going to take my three favorite players. I'm going to live and die with CMC, JT and Najee. Those are my guys. So I I took them there. So from there, like I said, for you, I wanted four and five. I wanted QB. I was going to go cousins golf. If I could cousins pick in front of me, so I switched it up and I took Jalen Waddle. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go Waddle. He's the best wide out on the board. I had him on my team last year. He killed it for me. I'm like, okay. And I was like, I'm just going to hope. Cause at that point, everybody after me had two QBs. So I was like, all right, I'm going to wait. And I'd rather have Waddle here. And then hope Goff gets back to me was my strategy because everybody else had two QBs. So I was like, if I take golf now, there's no way Waddles getting back to me. So I took a little bit of a chance there. Ended up getting golf. Didn't love the pick. Don't love golf, but I think he's playable. I think he's to score points. And at five, I'll take it. I can tell you six coming back. Also, I will tell you like that. Gino was in my range here. I wanted Gino maybe in the fourth or fifth if I could get it. So if I could have got Gino at four, I would have maybe came back and take like DK with the stack at five, but both of them went before it got back to me. So that I was like, all right, that's out. I don't have to worry about stacking that coming back Dobbins. That's where I wanted Terry McLaren. Cause I already had in my mind. I was taking Sam Howell at some point between eight and 10. So, but he went. So when he went to pick in front of me, I said, I'm already RB heavy as can be. I didn't love any of the wideouts right there, and I felt like I could get some wideouts the next couple rounds. I almost took Kenny Pickett just because I didn't want to miss out on him. He was kind of going like 7th, 8th, ninth. I almost took him there just in case. But like I said, I had a lot of people that already had two QBs. Behind me, so I was like, "Oh, he'll probably get back me." So I jumped on J.K. Dobbins. I was like, "I'm going to take my fourth running back because I could start all those guys in the super flex." So he's technically as my fourth running back, still a starter. So I was like, "I'm going to take him." Pickett came back to me. If Muth would have been there in the sixth, I would have taken Muth. That was my plan originally. Was I'm going to go Muth Pickett? But Muth went right at the end of the fifth round. Never got back to me. So that was my original stack. So I switched it up and took Dobbins instead pick it, but then I was like, okay, I got plenty of room to take either Deontay Johnson or Pickens. So that's what came. So I just waited and to see who came back for me. I'm a big, big Pickens guy. I love Pickens. I have him in all my dynasty leagues, but I felt this format Deontay was a better choice over Pickens for this one year play. So I ended up taking Deontay instead. A uh, Christian Kirk, I still think he's their number one right receiver, even with Calvin Ridley. I can't believe how far he's fallen. I was just ecstatic to get him in the ninth. I think I got him in the eighth or ninth last year uh, in SFB. So I was pumped to get him in the ninth. I can told you Howell. I I I was dead set on taking Howell. Laporta got picked right the pick before me. I was going to stack him with Goff because I still didn't have a, a tight end. I was still looking for a tight end. I was like, all right, that's a sign I'm going Howell. So that's why I I wanted to stack it. But at that point, there was no stacks left. Gibson was gone. Dotson was gone. McLaren was gone. I was like, all right, I'm going to look for a late stack there. Came back the 11th. I was just looking at the guys around. Again, there still wasn't a tight end I loved. And I, I just think Rashad Penny in this kind of format, if he can stay healthy, can be a beast for the Eagles. Now, is he going to play 17 games? Almost 100. 99.9% sure he won't. There's just no way he's going to get banged up. He always does. But can he give me eight to 10 really good games? I think he can. And if he can get that average, that's what people forget. It's like they count the average in the playoffs in this. So you got to have a good season average. You got to score points and then the play. So I'm like, hey, if he can crush for eight weeks and give me a ton of points, I'll take the eight weeks. So I was like, I'm on him. I love it. At that point, I was like, tight end desperate. Got to take somebody. Everybody I wanted was gone. I jumped on Jawan Johnson. I'm like, all right. There's not a, you know, outside of Olave, who's the next guy there? I don't believe in Michael Thomas. I don't think he can stay healthy. I like some of their other guys, but they're young. I think Johnson ends up with Carr being maybe their wide receiver, too, technically. So I, I took Johnson, jumped on Mooney for the upside, just so he was the guy I liked. And I, at that point, I had three wideouts. So you got to start three. So I was like, hey, I got to get one or two more wide receivers for those bye weeks. Took him. Jalen Warren, I just felt at that point, got to back up Najee because if something happens to Najee, Jalen Warren's going to play a ton. So yep. I felt like that's a handcuff I had to get. I didn't want to – I, I could have maybe waited on him, but I saw too many other leagues where he went like – 12th, 13th round. So I was like, at that point, I got to jump on him. I don't want to take a chance of missing him. Curtis Samuel is a is a crazy pick. I saw him go as high as like 10th round in some leagues. And then other leagues, he was like in the 20s. At that point, I was like, I want some kind of stack with Howell. And I was like, I need a wide receiver. I just looked at the group was there. And I was like, this is 100%. The only reason I'm taking Curtis Samuel is because I have Howell. That was it. I wouldn't have taken him without it, but I was like, hey, it's worth a shot. Maybe they use him in a crazy, you know, role where he gets a few more touches. I don't know. So I was like, I'll I'll take the upside. We'll see. Chase Brown's a guy I've been all over forever. I think Mixon could be toast pretty soon. I love him in Dynasty, but, again, if he ends up doing nothing, then I could drop him and pick somebody else up. But he could be a league winner on a really good offense if they start – working him in late in the season.
1: Just don't make the mistake. I dropped Nick Chubb his rookie year a week before he got to actually play. And then he went off. And the funny thing is, is that team, was like really, really good except for running back. And I was like chasing running backs all season. And I had held Nick Chubb the whole, like, and everybody was like, dude, like get rid of him. I'm like, dude, he's from Georgia. Like these dudes all know how to run the ball. Like if he just gets a chance and like, I finally was like, I think it was like week six where I just was like, like a couple of bye weeks got weird for me. And I'm just like, Oh, you know, this guy got injured and I already dropped him, And, Next thing I know, like the guy I picked up, because, you know, usually when you do a, like a free agent signing, you don't think about bye weeks as much anymore. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm really stuck. And I end up dropping Nick Chubb. And then somebody else like had like a spot and they just picked him up and was like, "Yeah, I knew how much I remember the draft, how much you were talking about him. So I decided to stash him. And then it was like the next week, all of a sudden he's like out there getting like 122 yards. I'm just like, so I'm like, so listen, man, make chase Brown, your guy. Don't make the mistake I made. Don't drop him in mid mid season.
0: Yeah. Here, here's what I thought too. This was my thought. I, did, I couldn't get Deandre Swift. I wanted him in penny just in case, but here's what I'm thinking. If Penny could give me the first half of the season, Chase Brown can give me the second half of the season. That's what I'm thinking. That was kind of my thought. I my plan is not to play Chase Brown at all early, but I think he could be that guy at the end and in the playoffs. That could be a great flex play. So that's why I got him. Alec Pierce, just highly underrated. People have just fallen off on him. I think, you know, Alien Richardson, one thing he really does well is he throws the deep ball well. And Alec Pierce is their deep ball guy. I think he could could get some sneaky weeks. I love him as my wide receiver, like six or seven, you know. I I was like, I'm taking a chance on Alec Pierce in the 17th, no problem. And then I was just waiting, waiting, waiting. And I'm like, how long do I wait before I take these tight ends? Because I didn't want to miss out on them. Because I'm like, Logan Thomas and Cole Turner... I know there's a lot of mouths to feed there in Washington, but I think either one of those guys could end up being really good, especially if the other one gets hurt. So I was like, I'm going back to back. I'm taking both of them. That could end up being my winning stack with Sam Howell if I need to. So that's where I went with them. Daniel Carlson fell. I'm not loving the Raiders, but I think he could kick a ton of field goals. I looked back at this format. He was number one. The last two years in scoring, I couldn't believe. I mean, he was way down the kicker list of what people had already taken, so I was like, I'm jumping on him. I got sniped in the 21st round. I can't remember who who I was taking. Somebody – oh, I was going to take Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell was my guy I wanted. He ended up going. He's got, again, kind of like that Houston situation. You don't know who's going to bust out and be the number one. Everybody's saying it's Waller. It could be, but he's been – hurt a lot of years and then a whole rest of wide receiver crew who knows so I wanted Paris Campbell he was gone and at that point I said you know what I'm gonna do Evan Hall because if something happens to JT Evan Hall could he's a solid running back but he also catches the ball a lot so I'm like even if he just plays third downs and they get Deion Jackson or somebody else gets the ball, he still could be playable if I need to so that's where I'm at uh, I, I actually really like my team even though Tied in, did not do what I wanted to. I fell a little bit deeper on QB than I wanted to, but Pickett and Howell were on my list. That's who I was taking as my two QB two and three. I wanted Tua Cousins. Smith is who I wanted first, but I fell to Golf. I don't think it's terrible. If these RBs stay healthy and have big seasons, I could be in the mix. If they get banged up and hurt, this team could go down in flames like a lot of things. But I, I just, I felt like I was like, you know what? I'm going to go bully RB. I'm just going to RB it up with that 0. 0.25 per carry this year. I just think it has a chance to really bust up these uh, running backs uh, that get big carries. And there's just that, that, that many guys that get a lot of carries anymore, you know, four, five, six guys. And I think these three guys are right at the top of the list. So, well, I mean, really,
1: you've got four RB ones. You know, because JK is the RB1 for Baltimore. I mean, if if you're not one of those people that, you know, goes, oh, Lamar's technically their RB1. But, and then Penny's a 1A, 1B situation. Like, you know, I'm an Eagles fan. Historically, it doesn't matter how much talent a running back has, uh, they just like to use more than one. Um, That's been their MO. um, You know, and for anybody out there, I I will say this now do not be mad at me. I'm not a Miles Sanders truther. Please do not think that Carolina is going to give him the opportunity to all of a sudden break out. This is just my call. I'm telling you, he doesn't hit holes quick. He is not a decisive runner. He likes to wait. He likes to see it develop. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch a lot of his runs. He'll just actually put his hand on the back of linemen sometimes and just sort of like walk with them. And then all of a sudden, he then hits a hole. Well, he had the number one offensive line in front of him with the Eagles. Like, he was able to sit there and wait, 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 because them offensive linemen are literally just carrying defensive lines down the field. And then then he would cut, and then he would get like a six or eight-yard gain. Everyone's like, oh, my God, do this all the time. Then you watch the next play, he does that, and he loses two because he ends up just guiding himself right out of bounds. Like, it's the ML. Uh, I'm, again, I, listen, I wish them nothing but the best of luck in Carolina. They have one of my most favorite quarterback coaches, Josh McCown. If you don't know his work, uh, see him when he was the backup quarterback for the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz's best season ever is when Josh McCown was his backup. Watch the sidelines. You would actually see when he would come off the field, Carson Wentz. It wasn't the head coach and it wasn't the offensive coordinator. It wasn't even the QB coach. He would sit on the bench with Josh McCown. They'd have that Surface Pro, and Josh would be going over stuff, going, "What did you see here?" What did... he is going to do wonders for Carolina, but not necessarily this year with Miles Sanders because they don't have the offensive line yet. They've got, to, they haven't built the offensive line. They do have some nice players, but for those people out there that are overdrafting Miles Sanders, I'm sorry, I don't see it. I hope he, I hope he proves me wrong because I love seeing Eagles just be successful wherever they go. But the reality of it is, is like, you know, that grass isn't always greener philosophy. You have the number one quarterback with Jalen Hurts. You have the number one offensive line with the Eagles and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, who I don't think Lane Johnson's given up a sack in like four years or whatever the stupid statistic is, because he's just that good. I don't know why he's not on every single list for like Hall of Fame lock, because he should be. But that's what the Eagles did. And Miles Sanders isn't going to be that guy. So, you know, looking at, like I said, looked at your list, man, I was just like, man, he just dominated running back. And, you know, in this format for people who don't understand wide receivers are the least rewarded. So like those guys, like the reason a lot of people were dropping on wide receivers, because honestly the the upside for the other positions is just greater. Tight end was one. And then I think RB was number two quarterbacks was fine. Um, but you know, Again, there's so many of them that you're going to score like in that 450 to 500 point range. It's like, yeah, there's like you'd said, could have been Geno, could have been Kirk, um, could have been Goff. Like there's a plenty of those guys in that range. So, you know, um, the Scott Fish Bowl is just awesome. It brings a lot of people. And now we've moved on to the next one. I think the Warrior Bowl is drafting right now. So know a lot of people, you know, when those people are out there and they're like watching this and they're just like, all right, these charity things sound pretty cool. Get into any of them you can get into. Don't be picky. You know, I mean, I'm in one. It's like the biscuit bowl. Like it's for like raising money for like pets and, you know, animals and dogs. Do whatever. It doesn't matter. Give back, be involved, create the community, start to learn. But, and then you're going to see yourself, okay, now I get into the fishbowl. And then all of a sudden, like I think even on, um, on Sirius this weekend, they actually were interviewing Scott fish and even the announcer, she kind of flubbed and she literally was like, and welcome to the, sh- welcome to the show. It's Scott fish bowl. As in like bowl was his last name, you know? And it was just so funny because everybody started chuckling and she's just like, cause you can't say Scott fish without saying Scott fish bowl. And it was just hilarious, but that's exactly what this does. You know, us in this crazy little, you know, fantasy world, this, uh, this game we love to play, this hobby, whatever you kind of call this little vice of ours, um, that's how you get involved. Um, you know, be a part of it, create connections, um, learn from other people, and you'd be surprised. Like, like I said, I, I this was my first year. I was super excited. I, I chronicled my my whole uh, process. Um, so check that out on dynasty pros football. Um, you know, it's technically going to be a two-parter because when I wrote that, I only was like through like the eighth or the 10th round or whatever. Um, so I'm going to write a second article that kind of wraps up the, the experience, uh, going from, you know, live draft to the slow draft, as well as just some more insight on why I picked this guy or, you know, what direction I went in. Um, and my overall feeling, which I'm super excited about, um, you know, going into this season, you gotta take risks you're never going to be successful in these big tournaments unless you're willing to take a risk. And, you know, like you'd said, you kind of stacked a little bit on the, on the Redskins. If that offense, like I said, man, they're talking a lot of hype for Sam house. So that guy hits anybody who's connected to it could very well end up being some of the better teams in the fishbowl. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. I hope more people continue to get involved. If you didn't already sign up, go to fantasy cares org, There's already the sign up for the, for the 14th edition, which is 2024. You can get in there, put the stuff there. That way you can get part of this culture. You know, we talked about it like a phenomenon. It's like, you know, it really does take over the fantasy world, Um, you know, the, the, the lay people at home who just play with their home leagues, but for those people that are part of the community, they're always on Twitter, they're always on, you know, TikTok, they're getting a lot of information, they're on YouTube, they're following podcasts, which by the way, follow this one, um, you know, that's where you start to like develop those more long term um, relationships with people who are already creating content. So, you know, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful event.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with 100%. The biggest thing is just get in, sign up. You might not get in right away, but the more you do it, the more your name's out there. People sign up one time, and they're like, oh, I never got in. You just got to keep doing it. And then once you get in a few things, you get added to other ones. Like you said, the Warrior Bowl's going right now. I'm in the Bruce Lee division Warrior Bowl, my first year in Warrior Bowl. So pumped about trying that out. Also, Biscuit Bowl, like you said, I, I just do the Biscuit Bowl. Uh, I'm in that as well. And just actually, I'm in FF7s, which is all over the world. Uh, I'm in the Australian division with a bunch of guys. I'm drafted at crazy times, but I actually work with those guys because I'm drafting at night when they're all up in the morning. So it's worked out well. I actually just watched a podcast uh, from a few guys from England and Britain that are in the same division, me, FF7. They just talked uh, to uh, Eagles uh, quarterback coach, uh Jamal Singleton, they just actually had him on and he talked about Rashad Penny. I just got so excited. He was like, Oh, I I scouted Rashad Penny at San Diego State. I know one of their coaches. Their coach was like, This kid is legit. Man, he's like, I loved him coming out of the draft. I wasn't surprised at all when he went to the first round of the Seahawks. I'm like, I'm just getting like excited. I was like, Oh, I already got Penny on the team. I mean, I'm like, ooh, ooh. I was like, it just is like even better because I was like, man. He's coaches talking him up, already saying how good he was in college, what like I was like, Yes, I was like, that's a steal, tenth round. I was like, I love it. So, but yeah, just keep signing up for these things. Like I said, I've got into these, but I had to win my way in. But you can win your way in a ton of different ways. But I think the biggest thing is just keep being supportive, keep trying, keep doing all the stuff. Play in the mirror leagues, play in the FC Eliminator leagues, you know do all that stuff, and I think that makes a difference because they want people that are that part of the community that want to be involved, uh, you know, that want to play. You know, a ton of people want to play, but they want people that are involved as well. And, I mean, I, I have to shout out to those guys. They crushed it with the merch this year. Absolutely crushed it with the shirts and the hats and with the avies. I bought way too much stuff. I, I people were like, "Oh, you're not even in that uh, division. Why are you buying that shirt?" I'm like, "That shirt's awesome. I buy. I don't care."
1: I, I saw a lot that. of that at the live. People were like, "I mean, we were Philly, so um, all of our merch was after sandwiches. Obviously, like I said, the tourist traps of Geno's and Pats were in there. It's not a great. It's not a. It's not a bad cheesesteak. It's not a great cheesesteak for those people who ever visit Philly." it's almost like you have to go there. Cause it's like, sort of like, you know, you're in right. pizza, you got Lou Malnati, right. But you go yep. to anybody in Chicago, they would give you three other places to go to before you would go there um, and say that this one's a little better, but you know, again, it's the touristy type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of guys were rocking like the Dunkin' Donuts one, the Gatorade one, the Taco Bell one, because those shirts just looked absolute fire. And again, same thing to the people who were like wondering, how do I get participate now? Listen, go onto the merch site, go get a shirt from this year. Like that's like, again, these little things add up when you're looking to get into it next year is be like, Hey, who are the people that are involved? Not just getting into the league. Like, cause that shouldn't be the goal. The goal shouldn't be to get into the league because no offense, like Scott fish is smart, man. They monitor that stuff a little bit. They can see what people are doing and they can kind of go, you know what? We're looking for people who are going to embody this, concept of giving back and like how our community cares about things Mm. and that's part of it um so being there communicating and like like stuff comment on people follow scott fish on twitter if you don't already i think it's scott fish 24 but you like do all those little things man be part of it you know and then who knows like you said be part of the mirrors get in there because that's that's the best part of this like to develop those relationships and then boom you get that email like i said I, i i was in shock because I didn't earn it from like a mirror where I kind of like anticipated it. Mm -hmm. I just saw like those first waves in May and I kind of was like, Oh my gosh, am I going to do this again? And then, you know, like, I'm all like, no offense. I'm like, I'm a content creator. Now I write for multiple websites. I'm on podcasts. Like what more do I need to do? And then all of a sudden, like I just see that email and I like literally like, cause I, cause you see it right away. It was like, the memo line was like Mm. SFB um, 13. And I'm like, (gasps) you know, and I'm like, it's there. I finally got it, you know, and I actually got it, like you'd said, like fairly early in the process where I was able to like pick my draft, preferred draft spot and stuff like that. So I wasn't like at the very end, but you know, it was an amazing moment for me just because I would seen the community. I'd seen everybody talking about on Twitter. And it made me want to be part of it even more. Uh, And and for me, like I said, when they were doing the lives and they had said it was going to be Philly, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be in my town. I got to be there. Even if I had not been selected, I still probably would have tried to go up and support the guys over there. Sirius XM was there because – again, people don't know, like John Hansen is, you know, right outside of Philadelphia. Adam Kaplan's a Philadelphia guy. Um, uh, Jeff Lambert is a Philadelphia right outside of, you know, they did multiple serious shows at our site, not with us while we were drafting, but just, just removed another room. Um, and again, being a part of that whole environment was just like really super cool. Um, I love this game. I love everything about it. And, uh, You know, I want to thank you for having me on to be able to talk about my experience because now that the drafting is all done, now it's like kind of like waiting to see these battles in spring and summer and and go, Okay, now who are my guys? Like I'm going to like start to submit that first lineup for. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing, amazing thing. And it's uh, fantastic to be a part of it and to give back. Yeah, I agree
0: with 100%. Just it's fun. You know, all the people I've met, like I said, I'm in a million leagues now more than I probably should be, but that's because I met people on the chats following in the thing, and they're like, hey, dude, you seem like you, you know, you're paying attention. You seem fun. You're like in the Discord. You're talking. Do you want to join our league? Do you want to add this league? Do you want to add that league? And I've met so many people just from joining leagues uh, just because I'm active. And that's a big thing. I mean, people just want people that are active, that want to be involved, that want to do things. You don't have to have the greatest team, not to be the greatest player ever. People just want people that are like in the community, like it, enjoy it, want to give back. And I think that's the, that's the big thing uh, that people got to realize. It's more about that than anything else, which I think is just unbelievable how much money they've raised. And, And the fact that they've created all these other charity tournaments have started because of this is just an amazing thing. And, And if you can get any of them, just go around, sign up for all of them. Every time I hear about one that I didn't know about a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, I just jump in immediately. Somebody on Twitter posted, I jump in and sign up. I just get in and sign up. You know, if you get in great, if you don't, you know, you don't get in, I, you know, but I just like, Hey, you might as well try it out. You never know who you're going to meet. I like it because everything's different and then you're just given and it's great. They're all for different charities, which is always an awesome thing. And you know, I know a lot of people are in fantasy football to win money. Winning money is awesome, but giving back and just the strategy and meeting people, the community, to me is a big part of why I love fantasy so much. So I appreciate Jay Goody. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Always good to talk it up. I got to have you back on later. Talk about some other stuff. We got to get some IDP one of these days. Yes, uh, please. Talk about some of our rankings. We need to get into that. I'm way behind on my IDP shows, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on. It's always cool to see like someone gets in for the first time because it makes me re- relive that feeling when I got in the first time. Uh, so that's awesome. Any questions you guys hit me up, hit them, Jay Goody. If you're, I had some, saw, saw somebody the other day was like, Hey, what's a list of charity tournaments? Hit me up. I'm like, I'll, I'll throw you every charity tournament I know. I'll put it together. Goody, to, hit them one more time with all the places they can find you, all the stuff you do on the, uh, yeah. As far as so,
1: fantasy. On um, DynastyProsFootball.com. Uh, I do a lot of IDP stuff, but I do, you know, I mean, thank goodness, Bob Miller, he lets me do whatever I want. Um, as far as when, when my brain kind of comes with the idea, I'm always just like, hey, what do you think if I write something like this? And he's always like, dude, go for it. Like, um, so I am blessed, a lot of IDP content, but there's more than just that at Dynasty Pros. Um, this this year, I also explored the world of college fantasy football, which is a whole new world with the Debbie Leagues, now, you know, campus, to Canton Leagues, um, and I'm doing that stuff Stuff on Fantrax, um, you know, work with my good friend, John Lobb. Um, and he and I have kind of been taking the lead on all the college fantasy football stuff. So you can check us out there on Fantrax. And of course, if you don't know where to find me, just check me out on my Twitter, jgoody77. Um, I always link all my stuff. I always appreciate a follow, um, you know, trying to build up and get more information out there. And I want to thank you, JT, for having me on and being able to kind of gush a little bit about my first experience in the fishbowl.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All that good stuff. Check him out. Uh C2C, I've been big into. We have a Debbie show on Dynasty Pros every other Monday. Uh me and Bob uh Harvey, we get together, do that. SC Romero. So Tommy Harvey, he runs the show. He has us on as guests. We right now we're breaking down all the Debbie guys from every conference uh in, in college football right now. So Check us out there every other Monday. The Stew with JT Brew. You can always find me here doing different shows with guests. I'm in the middle. We kind of veered off for this special show. I'm doing right now a breakdown of every team, uh, rookies, uh, IDP, any fantasy content, schedules. We're talking about it all. Each team kind of working our way through the NFL. But I felt like this was a great time to talk about this and and get Goody on here talking about his article at DynastyProsFootball.com. Follow me, JT Orange at JT Brew Stew is the show. Go to Dynasty Pros FF. Follow those guys; they always retweet. Check me out on their YouTube channel. Always on the YouTube channel at Dynasty Pros, where we have all kinds of other stuff. And if you're into IDP, I write all kinds of IDP content for DLF, and I'm an IDP ranker there as well. So you can always check me out there. Once again, thanks, Jay Goody, for joining us. You've been listening to the Stew. With JT Brew. Make all your draft picks hit and the trade never quit. Check you guys next time.
1: Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing,
0: racking up points makes the game a little more fun.